On the heels of the Trudeau government's sixth ethics breach, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says it sucks when these things happen. The Prime Minister says the fact that the public knows about the scandals means the system is working. Canadians surveyed by Health Canada during a series of focus groups reacted negatively to several aspects of a campaign to encourage mass COVID-19 vaccination. And the federal Liberal government's plan to ban single-use plastics began on Tuesday, but it is being critiqued as both poor environmental policy and for potentially worsening inflation. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, December 21st, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. In a year-end interview with CTV, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said it sucks when his cabinet members get entangled in ethics breaches. Trudeau said, quote, From my perspective, it sucks because you don't want people to be making mistakes. You want people to be able to focus on delivering good things for Canadians. Trudeau said that when cabinet ministers get caught violating the ethics rules and the public finds out about it, it's a sign of the system working. He went on to say, We have a system that has the kind of accountability and transparency that works, and it is clear to reassure Canadians that if someone is taking advantage of the system, either deliberately or by accident, they'll get caught and called out on it. And that's an example of the institutions working. Most recently, International Trade Minister Mary Ang was found to have violated the Ethics Act after it was revealed that she gave a lucrative contract to a personal friend to assist with media training. Now, the Prime Minister himself has previously violated the Ethics Act in 2016 when he accepted a trip to the Aga Khan's private island and in 2019 during the SNC-Lavalin scandal when he attempted to influence then-Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould. So the Trudeau government has breached ethics laws a whopping total of six times. And Andrew, it's quite something to hear this spin, this rationalization from Trudeau. It's almost one of those examples of when he gives a speech uh, talking about his own wrongdoing or his government's wrongdoing, and he flips it around to say it's a learning opportunity for everyone else. Yeah, with that whole line about it sucks is basically just saying that he's a passenger on this train, that his government has no say in it. It's just something that happens to them rather than something that they are actually themselves doing it. And it's quite unfortunate in the fact that there really isn't much more of a penalty for these violations than the admonition that it sucks. Because as we've seen, this has happened now with this government six times, and there's been no material change in this government's status. Mary Dawson was previously in the role of ethics commissioner, and she gave an exit interview when she was leaving the post to basically say that she felt, what's the point of having some of these fines when they're not really fines, when there's nothing meaningful that happens to you after you have violated this? I think Canadians, Andrew, are probably going to agree with her on that point, especially when we get to the degree we're at six violations and no real repercussions. Yeah, and the question I would ask and politicians need to answer is, what's the purpose of this act? Is it meant to be a way to measure and assess and respond to serious wrongdoing? Or are these offenses meant to be treated in a very minor way? And I think that obviously it's the fact that politicians who are going to be beholden to this act have to make the act that I think probably 
probably limits it from having more in the way of teeth. But if this is supposed to be something that we view seriously, then the penalties need to be proportionate. And I don't know if you have to start putting in, uh, you know, measures to force resignations or to bar people from future office or whatever the case is. But clearly a $500 fine is not a disincentive like uh, maybe the framers of the act thought it would be. Now, I know it's been observed that in past years, past governments, politicians from cabinet have resigned over these sorts of stories. They didn't need to be compelled to by some sort of ethics law mechanism. They just made the choice, either they themselves or they were voluntold to do so by the prime minister or another senior figure. Is it such, Andrew, that also the culture of things have changed where people just feel like they can get away with this stuff? Well, I think they certainly can. I mean, I remarked on my show when this uh, business with Mary Ng came out that she probably had a reasonable sense of confidence that her job was secure because she knew that Justin Trudeau had done the same thing or violated the same act and been able to keep his job. So, you know, as a cabinet minister, you're not going to have the heavy hammer coming down on you when your boss has done worse. Canadians found the government's COVID-19 vaccine campaign to be, quote, bossy and authoritative, unquote. In a survey by Health Canada, a series of focus groups reacted negatively to several aspects of the campaign to encourage mass COVID vaccination in Canada. When presented with a series of concept videos on the topics of getting boosters and vaccinating children, participants raised concerns about federal directives because they were apparently a bit too heavy-handed and too pushy. Health Canada wrote in its findings, quote, the main weakness in the concept was the part of the tagline in both storyboards that reads, get vaccinated. As many participants believe that getting vaccinated remains a choice and that they are not receptive to any messaging that is telling them what to do. Participants also perceive the order to get vaccinated as being an order rather than just a suggestion or a call to action. And again, they thought this was, quote, too authoritative, unquote. We went through a bit of a transition where I think Canadians were by and large in favor of COVID mandates and heavy restrictions. Do you think this is finally reversed? Well, what's interesting is these surveys actually took place quite a while ago, back when we were more experiencing restrictions and lockdowns. So, Andrew, one thing that I feel like this teases out is I felt a lot of those opinion surveys saying, do you support lockdowns or not? They were often couched in weird terms, like if deemed medically necessary or if things get much worse. There were odd caveats there where I felt like they were kind of push-pull questions. And I always wondered, when you get people in a room and you really drill down, what would they say? And that's what focus groups and, and more intensive surveys actually do. And, and I always found it a little hard to believe that people were so... Uh, rooted in in their perspectives. I mean, we went from having Ontario's fourth lockdown in January 2022, where we were supposedly all supposed to just leave our homes, to a couple months later, the majority of people not wearing masks when they were optional. And I wondered, how did we flip perspectives uh, so much here? And, and maybe this indicates a part of that puzzle. And also, I would remind people that it's 90% of Canadians that have received at least one dose, more than 80% that received two doses, which used to be called fully vaccinated. So the idea that a, an overwhelmingly vaccinated population, and probably in this focus group, you'd see the same 
same thing, is still coming out against coerced measures for vaccination is, I think, noteworthy here because that distinction between being anti-vaccine versus being anti-mandate has been one that I think the government has deliberately conflated. No, that's a good point, Andrew. I know you were on the ground, of course, for so much of the Freedom Convoy and a lot of people who were there saying, oh, no, I have received two shots of the vaccine. And I always heard these weird arguments saying, well, this certain percentage of Canadians are vaccinated, so what's the problem? Get with the program as if everybody is supposed to be belligerent when they learn everybody else hasn't made the same choices as them. I always felt like, look, one or two people aren't wearing the mask in the store or one or two people haven't gotten the vaccine. Who cares? Get over it. And maybe more people actually had that view all the time than we gave them credit for, than the government gave them credit for. Obviously, we are just a few days from Christmas, and the winter wave has been something that politicians and health officials have warned about, but we haven't seen a wave of restrictions. We've seen masking remain voluntary. We haven't seen any travel restrictions or reintroductions of quarantine. Do you think that we're in the clear on that, or do you still think there's a risk that come January, if there's some spike in cases, we could see some return of these things? I think it's pretty much done, although maybe I'm being naively optimistic because we have seen these pushes to bring back mask mandates at school boards. And even in the times when they have successfully passed, you have found that the school board actually has to implement these exemptions that are so broad that you basically need to raise your hand and say sanctuary when you walk into the school and you just don't even need to wear the mask. I mean, it's a, it's a total joke. And I think the public is also seeing that some of the voices who are most aggressively pushing for these things are, how shall I put this diplomatically, perhaps the, not the most socially well-adjusted individuals. And they're starting to realize that people who are still fixated on this COVID stuff, eh, you don't really want to be in the same camp as them. The Trudeau government's single-use plastics ban began on Tuesday. However, the ban is already being critiqued as both poor environmental policy and for potentially worsening inflation. Industry professionals are concerned about the impact the ban will have on small businesses. Catherine Swift is the president of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada, and she told True North that the ban is, quote, being sold under false pretenses and that the replacements are even worse and they cost more. Swift argues that it's, quote, bad environmental policy and due to higher costs, it's bad for rising inflation in every industry. Also, the Vice President of National Affairs at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, Jasmine Gwinnett, told True North that they recommended that the government uh, delay their ban in order to allow businesses to fully recover from the pandemic, but to no avail. Gwinnett told True North this policy forces businesses to change their models based on a political decision. The government should help businesses while they adjust. Andrew, I think this is an issue that a lot of Canadians will be surprised to learn even came into effect on Tuesday. It's something that's been talked about in the background, but all of a sudden, oh, here you go, it's in place. I know I had a personal experience where I wanted to purchase a bag at a store and I could not. Yeah, and you know, I think it's important to note that the reason this is coming about now and not when the government originally planned to, I suspect is largely because the COVID pandemic was something that we only got through as, as well as we did because of single-use plastics. When all of a sudden sanitation and hygiene were the priorities and things that were disposable became a, a very high priority. And I think it's actually quite disingenuous that the government is now still sticking to this thing for no real reason 
as we've heard from Catherine Swift and from Jasmine Gwinnett and, and countless others in the industry and outside of it. And in the end, you're right, it seems like they're just sort of sneaking it in. There hasn't been a countdown. There hasn't been a PSA campaign. I haven't looked to see if I can still buy plastic straws on Amazon, but uh, surely I may end up with uh, the Minister of the Environment at my door if I try. Now, it was one thing when plastic bags cost five cents and they were meant to, I don't know, I guess, deter the purchase of the bags and also offset the environmental costs or something like that. Now, canvas bags, well, I was at Walmart the other day and I needed some bags, no plastic. The canvas were $2 for a smaller one and $3 for a large one. I'd bought a lot of small items. So I said, I guess I got to buy the $3 one. And I thought, well, okay, I can afford this. But a lot of people are going to Walmart because they're, they're looking for value shopping you're charging someone $3, $6 just for the bag? What's going on here? Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I think there was always this strange question about whether this was something that companies were doing because they wanted to make a bit of money on the bags or whether it was something they were being forced to do by government. But, uh, you know, at least when you had to pay the nickel, it was still a choice that you had. And, you know, I've ended up at grocery stores where, oh, I've forgotten my disposable bags and you end up having to buy another one. And that's, you know, gets kind of way so I also wonder what the environmental impact is of a plastic grocery bag versus an unnecessary reusable bag that you buy because you forgot your other ones at home. Yeah, and we know the studies show that those reusable ones have to be reused something like a hundred times for them to actually uh, have a positive environmental impact compared to the plastic ones. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.